Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's turn to Ephesians 5. Woo! Let's turn to Ephesians 5. Glad we worked through that. Now, I, I'm excited about what God's going to do. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait. I've talked to Dwayne and Deborah Swilly. They're praying and believing God for some great breakthroughs. Ephesians 5. Here's what I want to do. I want to go back to my series, When You Pray. And I want to look at something I believe today is, is literally a rhema word for where you are in your walk with God, for where we are at Calvary. Not just a message, a message for the first Sunday in February 2020. This is a word for you today. You've, many of you have been praying, God, I need a word. Here's your word, okay? Here's what I want you to see. We've been learning about the power and the value of prayer. We've been praying and we've been fasting. And God is doing some amazing things. But we need to gain some insight and wisdom. I want you to listen closely as I introduce this. We need to gain some wisdom, discernment, and insight. How do we take a great spiritual moment and keep moving forward in that? We're not doing that as well as we should in church. In other words, what happens, people have some real breakthroughs in their life, but they don't know how to maintain that. They really advance but they don't know how to occupy that. I shared a little bit Wednesday, but I want to really break this down and, and open this up for us today. Let, let me help you understand what, what I'm trying to do here every Sunday, what the DNA of Calvary is all about, all right? I want you to understand this. I can't speak for other houses, but this one. This is the assignment we have. This is our DNA. I, I, I don't believe, and I, I'm, I'm really uh, very con convinced of this the longer I pastor, all right? As I answer to God for your spiritual growth, as I answer to God for your spiritual health, as I stand before him and will stand before him about that, here's, here's what I believe. I believe that there's a higher calling on a church, on the church, than just to be a self-help organization. How many hear what I'm saying? I could give you a lot of little uh, kind of moderate self-help tips. Come in, I tell you, how to be popular, how to be happy how to have joy, how to be a parent, how to do this. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but I want you to get this. There's a, another level God has for his church. And what, what happens is, is rather than me giving you guidelines to correct some things in your life, the most important thing we can do is have an encounter with God who will allow his Holy Spirit to begin to work in our life and give you the power and the transformation to make those things happen. See, what I'm concerned is happening in the church world today is that we're trying to teach sinners how to act like saints. Okay, I'll try that on this side of the church. We're just trying to teach sinners how to act like saints. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Until I meet Christ and I'm born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and His nature begins to live in me, how many understand what I'm saying? My life's not going to change. I can give you 38 steps to everything. I can give you five steps to anything. But if the power of God is not there to help you take those steps, you won't take them. Does that make sense? Let, let me try it this way. Uh, it's the nature of a dog to bark, right, because he's a dog. It's the nature of a sinner to sin because he or she's a sinner. So you can spend all your time trying to train your dog not to bark, but he's a dog. He's going to bark. 
And the church's job is not to try to come in with just human ability and know-how and make your life better. The job of the church is to preach the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, introduce you to Him, meet Him, grow in Him, love His Word, be filled with His Spirit, and allow God to transform you. You know how you become a better parent? You become a better Christian. You know how do you become a better wife? You become a better Christian. You know how you become a better husband? You become a better Christian. Instead of you trying harder, we need to meet Jesus and surrender to him and allow the Holy Spirit to change us. How many understand what I'm saying? That's the gospel. That's what church is all about. If you believe that, give God a hand clap. He's, that's God. So what we try to learn today is so critical to you, to you living your life at the highest level. God wants to bless your marriage. God wants to bless you as a single. God wants to bless your parenting and your finances and your job and your business. God wants to bless. He wants to get involved in every aspect of your life and make it better. But we have to learn how to walk with him first. So here we are looking at this moment. Pastor, we've done a prayer and fast. We, we wrapped it up last Sunday, and it's been great. But what do I do? Let me help you. There's a pattern in Scripture that I see over and over again. A cycle that if we're not wise and discerning, Satan wants to steal the victories God's given in your life. There, there is this concept that, that we need to learn. How do we advance? How do we break out of a cycle? How do I hold on to the victories that God has given and, and break out of this pattern? What's the pattern that you're talking about, Pastor? I notice in Scripture that, that every time God's people make a great advance, Satan immediately counterattacks to stop it from its, full, from its full force, from what it could be. So we don't need to be afraid of what the counterattack. We need to understand how to respond in that moment. We need to understand this pattern and how it walks out in our life. We, we need God to, to, to show us this. So we're, we're looking at when we pray, when you pray. So prayer, fasting, seeking God has brought good things to us. Advance, breakthrough, victories, encouragement, hope. We're moving in those directions. And so what we need to understand, this is not about rules. It's about relationship. So whatever we've done that brought us to this spiritual new ground, you keep doing to stay at that new ground, right? Let, let, let me help you. Since we're talking about marriage and those things, sir, ma'am, whatever you did to win the heart of that person while you were dating and courting is the same thing you continue to do to keep the heart of that person. Okay, let me try it again. I'm trying to help you out. Valentine's Day's coming up. There's something bigger than a box of chocolate. Are you ready? Okay. So what I'm saying is this. When you were dating, when you were courting, you were talking, and you were gifting, and you were texting. Back in the old days, note writing and paying attention and listening and looking at them when they talked and listening to what they said when they talked and taking them out on dates and doing the things they like. Come on, anybody, anybody in the house with me right now? So whatever you did to win their heart, you keep doing to keep their heart. Okay? Whatever you did in a time and a season in your life spiritually that brought advance, you keep doing that to maintain that. Why? Because Satan's going to try to counterattack and rob you of this, this breakthrough that God wants to give you. Now, I want to show you two examples of this, okay? I want to show you one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament, and there is a cycle that we need to break. I want you to say, I'm breaking out. Come on, say that today. I'm breaking out. Christianity is not a high followed by a low, a high followed by a low, a breakthrough followed by a breakdown. Come on, how many can say amen to that? How many say, I want to break through without a breakdown? 
you know, I want to take ground and keep ground. Come on, that's what we want to do. So once you go to Ephesians 5 and, uh, and verse 15, Ephesians 5, 15, I'm going to have to really move along because I've got some important things to share with you. I want you to take it with you when you go today. This is, this is living life, being a, a, a person who's walking out your faith and your life's changed because of it. So, so we're, we're, when we pray, good things happen. But Satan wants to counterattack those advances and those victories. So let's look at this passage. Very important. Very important. Very practical. Okay? So let's watch this. I've taught you from this verse before, these verses. But let's, let's be reminded of something very important here. So what do we read? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, <clears throat> we need to understand what's being said here. Be very careful how you live. I don't know about you, but, but, but at, at some point growing up in church... I kind of got the idea, and maybe you have, that every time somebody tells you in church, be careful, they're kind of telling you, don't do something wrong. Better be careful. You're a Christian now, you better be careful. It's a big old bad world, better be careful. It's kind of like we're on the, we're on the defense. It's kind of like we, we are watching out. It's like, you better, you better watch out. So be very careful then. So what does that mean? So let's keep reading. Be very careful then. We want to live as wise people, right? Say, I want to be wise. I mean, want to be wise. Now, look at this. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So watch this. Being very careful as a believer is not just avoiding evil. It's not just, oh, I hope I didn't do something wrong. All those things are proper. But once you get this, living a life here in Ephesians 5, this context when it tells you to be careful, it's not hide from the devil. It's watch for every opportunity God puts in your life. Are you with me? Oh, he says, don't miss something God has for you. I want you to pay attention. I want you to watch out what's going on in your life because God has some great things planned. God has some divine appointments in your path. So make the most. Keep your eyes open. Watch for the hand of God. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We could say it like this. We live in an evil environment. Are you ready? That's full of great opportunities. I want to say that again. We live in an evil environment. You know this world's going crazy right now. Come on, tell the truth. Man, it's crazy. Have you, I mean, do you watch the news and listen to stuff? I mean, it's like, the, it's, it's Looney Tunes. So we live in an evil environment, but it's full of great opportunities, right? So we need to be wise. So, so, so watch this. All right, let's go to verse 17. Therefore... Do not be foolish. Now, we've been taught already, be wise, not unwise. We've been told, don't be foolish. We, we've been told there are great opportunities God has for us. He says, now look at this. I'm going to tell you God's will. This is the will of God. It's important. These are important verses. Now, what is the will of God then? When we're making the most of opportunities, go to verse 18. We're being wise. We're not being foolish. So, so what's the will of God? Here it is, very plainly. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't do that. Don't do that. I know I've heard of sipping saints, but I'm just going to stick with the word. Okay. Do not get drunk on wine. Why? It leads to debauchery. It derails your spiritual journey. In fact, it's juxtaposed by what the will of God is. He said, that's not the will of God. The will of God is be filled with the Spirit. Oh, be filled with the Spirit. So you see what we're finding here. Watch this. What did he say? Hey, guys, it's, the world's kind of messed up. But it's full of these opportunities. You need to pay attention as you live because God is going to do some great things. He's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You know what happens when you pray? You get filled with the Holy Spirit. 
You know what happens when you pray and fast? God brings breakthroughs. God brings advance. God brings victories. And I want you to remember this passage as I go through teaching you today that there's a fullness. Things change when you're full of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? You begin to live life from a different platform. Things begin to look different. How, Pastor, how do I stay full? That's the issue. I was filled, and now Satan's trying to counterattack me, and, 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 you know, I waver a little bit. I get busy. I, you know, I, I prayed fast in 21 days. I can, take, I can take a couple of months off now, not pray. Look at Matthew 5 and verse 6. What do we do? Look at this. Blessed are those who, what, hunger and thirst for righteousness. What happens? You'll be filled. So if I stay hungry for God, you know what I've discovered about my prayer life? Do you know that sometimes you have to develop an appetite for something? How many heard what I just said? See, see, you have to develop an appetite. If you don't pray, you're not going to want to pray. If you don't pray, you're not going to see the need to pray. But here's what I discover. The more you pray, the more God fills you with his presence, the more you hunger and thirst for more of that. See, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is what? He's good. Taste and see. So as we begin to pray and seek God, it's not rules and ritual. It's relationship. And it becomes greater. We sing it. You know, what were they singing about today? You know what they're singing about. What did they say as a new song? Is it, it gets sweeter. It gets sweeter. Is that true? It gets better. It gets better. It gets sweeter. Why? Because the more I hunger and thirst, the more he fills me, the more I begin to walk through this path. Now, let me give you this first uh, New Testament illustration of breakthrough, of victory, of infilling of the Spirit, and Satan trying to stop that before it goes someplace. So let's go. Here's what I want to say. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascended back to heaven. There were, what, what we are told, 500 believers gathered there on the Mount of Olives, and he ascends back to heaven, and he gave them this command, Acts 1 says. He says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what Alyssa's doing. That's what, that's what Presley and Thayer are doing. That's what Caitlin and Joel are doing, and that's what we're doing by getting them there. And, and, and there's more coming in the pipeline. Can you say hallelujah of what God is doing? So, so we go into all the world. He said, but don't start that until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you need to be filled and empowered to go do that work. So he says, you stay and pray. Well, 500 heard it. 380 were too busy. And 120 did what he said. Come on. You know, it's kind of like, I, I hate to say this, but you know why pastors have to wear glasses, don't you? They wore out their eyes looking for people at prayer meetings. I mean, anyway, let's go on. So, so what happens, he says, you stay and pray. You stay and pray. And, and, uh, and I'm going to do something. So most Bible scholars agree that for those 10 days, they were not only praying, they were fasting much of the time. So they're praying and fasting, seeking God. God, we've got an assignment. We've got a purpose. This is wonderful. We're here for a reason. We, we're we're going to make the most of every opportunity. But you said we must be filled to maximize that. So what happens after 10 days of praying and fasting? Acts 2. Let's go to the next chapter. I'm going to give you a quick thumbnail sketch. Verse 1, look at this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were what? They were all together in one place, where they were supposed to be, in the right place at the right time, okay? So what happens? They're praying. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Hey, you know what? Leave it there for a minute. I, I have these prayers. i got to be honest with you. So when it happens, you'll, you'll be ready. Come on, how many heard what I just said? I read Acts 2, and I say, why not us? Huh? Why not us? How many want real church or just play church? Come on. You want, real, you want real Bible or just history Bible? So I say, God, wow. So I just want you to know when we're in here one day worshiping and, and somebody said, who opened the door? And it, no, I 
just the wind of God. Did I get you a little bit nervous right there? Okay, you know, let me, because I'm about to really mess you up in a minute. So this wind came, filled the house, just the Spirit of God blew in that room. So powerful, it was tangible. Look at verse 3. This gets really amazing. They saw it seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The fire of the Holy Spirit. Come on, can you say, yes, Lord, do that here, do that now. Hey, what would it be like? Can you imagine one Sunday that we're in there praying and praising God and the power of the Holy Spirit is so wonderful and, and God's here. That somebody's driving down Highway 20. Come on, work with me here. And, and they call and say, Calvary, uh, the, uh, the Calvary Epicenter's on fire. And, and, and the fire department rolls up, and the EMT rolls up, and the sheriff rolls up, and the police roll up, and everybody comes rolling up, and they run in the door. We're all good. We're just praising God, and the fire of the Holy Spirit's on this place. Okay. I'm in. Anybody in for that? I'm in. I'm up. And, 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 the, and the fire department, the police department, the EMTs, the they all get slain in the spirit in the foyer and get say, oh, come on. Come, come on. Come on. Anybody? All right. Let's just go on. Let's just go on. So what happened? But the bottom line, look at verse 4. With all those things that accompanied this, what happened? All of them were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All these things are available for the church today. Now, so, so what happens? They're praying, they're fasting. They're seeking God as God instructed them to do. And what does God do? He fills them with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Every time God, F-I-L-L-S, fills you with the Holy Spirit, there is a reason for that. When we receive, we are to release. How many hear what I'm saying? So this encounter was not just a feel-good, an emotional goosebump thing. It was a purposeful infilling of the Holy Spirit as a result of when you pray. So what happens? I don't have time to go through today. Let me just just give you a a thumbnail sketch. So what happens in chapter 3? The Bible says Peter and John were walking to the temple to pray. It was a time of prayer. They had that time of prayer every day. They went to the temple every day. Peter and John were born there. They lived there. How many days in a year? 365 days. They had gone to the temple every day at the same time. Listen, for thousands of times. Just three years goes over a thousand. Are you with me? Every day, several thousand times. They went to the temple the same way, at the same gate, beautiful. And every day for those several thousand times, stay with me, there was the same lame man laying there. He had been there every day, the Bible says, laying there every day. Peter and John had walked by that man every day. The same exact scenario for several thousand times. Are you with me? That's literally accurate what's happening. But on this day, they go walking by, and he does what he does. I'm lame. I don't have money. I'm begging for alms. Same thing every day. That heard it several thousand times. But on this day, I need alms. Peter stops, and he looks at this man. And he sees this man in a way he had never seen him before. Same Peter and John. Same time of the day, same lame man. What happened today? They'd been filled. They had been filled. Watch me. And so once you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? You start making the most of every opportunity. You start seeing things you didn't see before. You start recognizing things you didn't recognize before. Are you with me? Now, Peter still didn't have a raise because he said, I'm sorry, pal, I don't have any money. And what happens to a lot of us is we 
can't see through what we don't have to see what we do have. When you begin to be filled, you begin to make the most of every opportunity. And so Peter stops and says, hey, I don't have the money, but I think I got something better. Give me your hand. And he pulls him up in the name of Jesus. Come on. And that lame man jumped on his feet, ran around praising God, went into the temple, caused a ruckus, just shouting and praising God. Guys, when you begin to be filled as a result of praying, when you pray, you begin to look at life not from an empty, lacking perspective, but from a fullness perspective that God is with me. Anybody hear what I'm saying? You begin to live your life at a higher level. So this is good. They're praying and fasting. When you pray, what happens? You get filled. When I'm filled, I have something to give away and release. And it's going well. He's praising God. People are running to Peter and John saying, tell us what this means. How did this happen? It's great. But the old religious Pharisees, (laughs) religion will always fight the Spirit of God. They say, whoa, we got to stop this right now. Every time. There is an outpouring. There will be opposition. Every time you advance and break through, Satan says, I better stop this thing right now. Now, don't be afraid because greater is he that is in you and he that is in the world. In fact, throughout the book of Acts, as I study and read this this documentary of how the church began, I find two things that are just intact. The Holy Spirit is outpoured on two occasions in the book of Acts. At the time of opportunity and at the time of opposition. So I've got some good news for you today. If you've been praying and fasting, God filled you up and you're loving the Lord and Satan's tried to come throw some junk in your path, get ready for the next outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. God will never allow the opposition to be greater than the outpouring. So they drag them in for preaching, for praying in God to heal a man. And they come in and... and uh, and they bring them in and they say, what are you doing? And they, and they said, oh, hey, we've been, we, you know, this is, Jesus did this through us. It's the work of God. And they said, we can tell these men have been with Jesus. And they threaten them and they flog them and they say, don't you ever do this again. You, you, you can't preach. Now, they let them go and go back to their people. Go to chapter 4 of Acts. Let's look at this. I'm, I went through four chapters that quick of Acts. That's pretty good. All right. Acts 4. Let's go to verse 27. Let me just read a little bit here. I want you to follow along with me. So watch their prayer. Acts 4, 27. I'm breaking in on the middle of the prayer. Now, these men have been beaten and threatened. Don't you ever speak about Jesus again. Don't you pray for sick people again. Are you with me? The opposition. Verse 27. Let's just break in the middle of the prayer. They're praying. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Watch this. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen now. Here's their prayer. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Wow. They didn't pray for protection. They got in trouble for preaching and they said, God, just give us more boldness to do it better. How many admire that kind of faith? Okay. Then watch this. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's what started the whole thing. The guy getting healed and they said, do more of that, God. Wow. But then watch. Look at this first word in verse 31. Look at this. What's the first word in verse 31? After. It's a timing thing. So remember, after they what? Prayed. Oh, so they prayed again. See, they had prayed. They'd been praying 10 days in in Acts chapter 1, leading up to Acts chapter 2. And there had been a great outpouring. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Opposition came, and now what do they do? They're praying again. And what happens? After they prayed, the place where they were meeting were shaken. Can I, can I let you in on a secret? Can I let you in on a secret? Do you know what we named this first building and, and moving our, our church campus out here? This is just building one of several. You know what we named this first building? What's the name of this building? The what? You know what the, the definition of the epicenter is? You think of an earthquake. The point of origin of an earth-shaking event. Did you get it? What happened when the Holy Spirit came? Look at it again. The, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. We prophetically named this the epicenter. Because we said, God, this is the next step, not the last step. How many with me? This is just the beginning of more of the things God's going to do. So, so, so watch this. Here's what happened. Stretch, so uh, after they prayed, the place where the meeting was shaken. And what happened? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. They were filled again. Do you see this? Every time God gives advance, breakthrough, victory in your life, Satan will try to counterattack to stop it. But the good news is if you pray, if you do what got you there, if you pray, when you pray, God will fill you again and the outpouring will be greater than the opposition. Why? Because there are great opportunities out in front of you. We're alert. We're aware now. We're seeing life from a filled perspective instead of a lacking perspective. It's the pattern of God. Now, let me show you something. Let me show you in, in the Old Testament. Are you with me now? Let's go there. First uh, Kings chapter 19. First Kings, the 19th chapter. I want you to turn there with me. Uh, I want to show you an Old Testament illustration of this same thing. It's, it's powerful. It's powerful. How many say I'm going to break out of the cycle? Say amen. Amen. I'm not going to let the devil steal this thing that, uh, that God is doing for me. So we're going to go to First Kings chapter 19. I'll read there in a moment. Let me bring you up to speed in chapter 18. Chapter 18 is, is one of the most dynamic chapters in the Old Testament. Elijah seems to be the lone prophet left to stand for God in the very nation of Israel that belonged to God. The nation had digressed so far spiritually that the king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel, were ungodly idol worshippers welcoming demonic priests and worship into the very house of God. And Elijah stands for God. Ahab the king hates him because he's unafraid of him. Uh, Previous to this, Elijah had prayed, watch this, and hadn't reigned in three years. The nation was in a severe drought and because of one man's prayer. So Elijah comes out of the hiding And he says, it's time for a showdown. Come on, this is true. Watch this. I've been to Mount Carmel. We were there last October where this happened. This happened. And Elijah walks before the king that wants to kill him. And and, and they gather 850 false prophets. 400 for one idol demon and 450 for the other. And they gather there with one man, Elijah. And he says, okay, here's the deal. Call the nation. The nation comes and stands at this mountain. And Elijah says to them, okay, let's see whose God is real. The God who answers by fire. He says, we're going to pray and the God who answered by fire. He's the Lord. And, the, and, and he told the nation, choose. Nobody would say a word. So they build this altar and they put the sacrificial animal on it. And the other guys start praying. And, and Elijah says, okay, you go first. The Bible says they prayed all day. 
They weren't godly people. They're ungodly people. They're serving a demonic idol. Said they prayed and they shouted and they ranted and they raved and that doesn't work. So they started cutting their bodies and bleeding and, 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 and nothing happened. And Elijah's just, he's just sitting there chilled out. I mean, this guy's something. So it's his turn. He says, you done? They're like, we're through with this. So he walks up and prays a little one paragraph prayer. Stay with me. And the fire of God falls on that altar, burns it up. He, the people shout, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The 850 false prophets are slain. It's an amazing moment. If that's not enough, then he prays and the rain comes that hasn't come for three years. I mean, come on. He's the baddest dude on the planet. Can somebody say amen to that? I mean, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Iron Man. They got nothing on this guy. I mean, it's amazing what he does. He calls fire down, opens the heavens up. What, what a moment. I, I would consider that a breakthrough. Anybody consider that a breakthrough? The whole nation gets saved. I would consider that victory. I would consider that advance. I mean, this guy is at the highest point of his ministry. Right? It's awesome. That's chapter 18. Look at chapter 19 and verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. And how he killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods be with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. So, whoa. But come on. So what? So Ahab runs to his domineering Jezebel. And he says, Let me tell you what Elijah just did. You need to know what he did. He'd been so mean. He... He defriended me on Facebook. He's terrible. He killed all the priests. What are we going to do? Little, little Ahab, he run into Jezebel. Got his tail tucked between his legs. Jezebel said, you go tell him. By this time tomorrow, I'm going to have him dead like all those. But come on. It's Elijah. He just called fire down from heaven. He just broke a three-year fast, a um, uh, uh, drought. I mean, you'd think he might say, well, come on, lady. Come on. You want to rumble? You want some of this? You know where I live. I'm not hard to find. Come get me. Let's, let's, let's lock it up. Come on, bring your stuff. You better bring your asbestos underwear. You know, yesterday, I, you, you know, I'm going to get you. Come on, bring it on. Come, wouldn't that be what you'd expect? Wouldn't that be normal? Wouldn't that be logical? This guy just blew it up. But I have to read verse 3, which I don't want to read. And it says, Elijah was afraid. Wait a minute. And ran for his life. I don't have time to develop this whole concept, but I want you to see something very important here. This Queen Jezebel represents something much more in this passage. We go over into the New Testament in Revelation chapter 2. And one of the seven letters written from John on the Isle of Patmos under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he wrote to the church in Thyatira. He said, I want to congratulate you on all your works. You guys are doing great things for God. But then he said, but I have this against you. These are the words of Jesus. Somebody say words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. John directly scribed what Jesus said. He said, I have this against you, though. Watch this. He said, you have tolerated Jezebel in your midst. What is this thing? Here she is here, opposing the work of God. Then here we have this, in the very end, 
and, and, and she's doing it again. Can I tell you something? It's more than a personality. Listen to me. Jezebel's a principality. It's a spirit that Satan uses to attack God's people and his church when they're making advance, when they're making progress. Are you with me? You understand the Bible says our battle in Ephesians 6 is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers, rulers of wickedness in high places, and, and those that are in the heavenly realm. We have a spiritual conflict that we're in. Everybody with me right now? i got a minute or two here. To, I, I want to show you something. And so, so what happens? Let's look at this. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Why? See, that doesn't make sense. That's illogical. Why would he run on the hills of his greatest victory? Why would he be afraid of one woman when 850 had just lost to him? It doesn't make sense. Why did he do it? Why did it happen? What was going on? This whole nation is poised for revival. This nation that was ungodly and lost their way and under demonic influence has now poised to have a national revival. Satan has to oppose this move. But how and why did that work? Okay. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. Watch this, it gets worse. He came to a broom tree and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Goodness, mercy. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread uh, baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then what he did? He laid down again. One translation says he was exhausted. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled for 40 days. Now, now, and then he goes to a cave and hides in it. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here? Look at verse 10. Watch this. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. Are you ready? Look at this. Look at this. I am the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. What happened? What happened? What strategy does Satan launch against you at your greatest moments of breakthrough? This spirit, this Jezebel thing, what does it do? Real quickly before we pray. It does four things. You, you, you need to recognize that there's some things you need to stand against in your life. The first thing... And the way this affects you is fear. Fear. The Bible said he was afraid. Why would he be afraid? Come on, I told you. Th this man had the hand of God on his life. It wasn't logical to be afraid of that queen in that moment. What happened? It was a spiritual attack against him. It wasn't logical. It was spiritual. Everybody with me? There's a, no reason to be afraid. Do you know there are going to be times when, when God is wanting to do great things in your life? If you're not discerning and praying and staying full, instead of looking for your opportunities, you're going to be afraid of everything that happens. You live in fear. Why? Because Satan's trying to limit you. Because he's trying to stop what God wants to do. That's fear. It's not, it's not normal. It, it's really not based on a reason. It's based on a spirit. And the antidote is to be full of the spirit of God. Are you with me? So he said, I'm afraid. He begins to run. The next thing this does is exactly what you saw happen is that it wants to isolate you. Well, what's going on in a person's life? They want to isolate themselves. You watch this pattern in your life and people around you. Watch this isolation. What did he do? He told his servant, you stay here. I'm going to go by myself. 
He gets into the desert and he sits down under a tree. And then that's not enough. Then he goes and he finds a cave. Satan wants to isolate you. He wants to put you by yourself. He wants to separate you. It's the one sheep that leaves the 99. Why do people all of a sudden stop going to church? Why do they get out of their life group? Why do they stop being with godly people? Why do they isolate? What, what, what's, what's going on in your life? If you're here now, if you're watching Facebook Live, live stream, podcast, you're listening, what makes a person withdraw from godly people, the presence of God? Why do we want to go isolate ourselves? There is a spiritual attack going on against your life. Third thing that happened, we read here, he was absolutely exhausted. What? There's no energy. We're not making the most of every opportunity. We're just depleted. It may not be a physical. It may be a spiritual attack. Everybody with me? Well, I know how quiet you are because this is kind of real stuff, isn't it? <laughs> this is real stuff. Is that what's going on in my life? Is that why I'm fighting what I'm fighting now? Fear, isolation, exhaustion. I just, I just don't have any energy. I just can't do anything. I, I just can't get up. And I, I'm so, I don't have any motivation. What's going on? The last thing is depression. 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 What did he say? It's the same thing. It's a spirit of depression or quitting or giving up. I just want to die. I just want to die. Why would you want to die at the greatest moment of your whole life? Why when God opened heaven and sent fire, opened heaven and sent rain, and a whole nation just shouted, we will serve the Lord. You're the man to lead a nation into the presence of God. And you run out in the desert and you lay down and say, I don't have anything left i can't take it i want to die I want to quit I want to give up i want to walk off from this marriage i want to walk off from my job i'm going to quit on my dream i'm going to quit on this thing why why do those things happen why do we, why do people isolate and quit and give up it's a spirit that wants to come rob the victories that god puts in your life that's where that comes from it, it, this one's identified as Jezebel. What does that mean? It's a controlling, manipulative spirit that attacks the things of God at their greatest moment. It was the church who was doing great things for God that allowed the spirit of Jezebel to come in. And God had to say, I have all against you. Jesus said, you're making a mistake. You're not right because you let her stay. And today we have to recognize the schemes of the enemy. How many are thankful we're not blind to the devices of the devil? We have discernment and revelation. We're exposing him right now. I'm going to tell you God has great things planned for you. Opportunities with your name on them. And when the enemy comes to oppose you, we don't quit. We don't give up. We don't go isolation. We don't go to the cave. We don't say there's no one left but me. We go to the God who filled us the first time. And he opens heaven again the next time. And we say in the name of Jesus, I rise up against this thing. I cast off this heavy spirit and I'm going to be filled with the spirit of God. I want you to stand with me and I want our musicians to come. Come on, stand with me together. We're going to pray right now. Very important we pray our prayer. See, we're going to, come on, I want you to get that. We're going to break out of a cycle. Somebody say amen to that. I'm going to break out of a cycle. You know what? The victory you have, you're not losing in Jesus' name. Amen? The victory you have. It's time we start building. We start building. Come on, say amen. We start building on the last breakthrough for the next breakthrough. Let me say it like this. I want you to understand. It would, it'd be, it would be just like walking up steps. Okay? I, I can't 
There are breakthroughs. Watch this. There are victories and breakthroughs God has for you. Listen to me. But you can't reach them from where you are. Okay? It's, it's like there's a door God wants to open in your life. But you can't open that door when you're at the bottom of the stairs and it's at the top. Are you with me? So we start walking up the stairs. We're making progress. Thank you, Jesus. This is going. But the enemy is always trying to pull you back down. He wants you staring at the same door and the same stairs for the rest of your life. Four steps up, four steps back. Five steps up, five steps back. Here's what happens. We're saying, you know what? I'm throwing that off. (laughs) I'm breaking that hold on me. I'm resisting this thing that causes me to give up, to quit, to think about my life's not worth it. You know, that, that I'm not going to go, that, I'm, that, that, that it's never going to happen, to isolate myself. And it, listen, uh, solitude is a good thing in Scripture. Solitude is you on purpose spending time with you and God. You get that? Solitude. Be quiet. Get still. Go ahead. Listen to God. I've taught you about God's whisper. And he whispered later on. I just can't get to it today. But solitude is good. That's you and God. But isolation is bad. That's you and you. <laughs> Sometimes you're not very good company. You understand what I'm saying? Solid, isolation is you and you. And what does God say to you today? What are you doing in that cave? Why are you laying under that tree? I want to say to you in the name of the Lord, come out of your cave today in Jesus' name. I want to say to you in the name of the Lord, get up on your feet again today. Get out from under that broom tree. The call of God is on your life. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is here for us today. Come on, we're going to cast off restraint. We're going to step up today. How many say amen today? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.